Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Okay, Nada. Today is an important day. This show, it's a biggie. I presume you know why. I feel you, Norlander. We got UConn, Creighton, LSU, Arkansas, and Rutgers, Indiana tonight. What? Plus, we've got Auburn, Mississippi State game to track. Hey, I'm completely on it. No, Nada. You're always on it when it comes to the games, but that's not what I mean. This isn't about the games. I'm talking about the calendar. What month is it? Wait, wait, wait. wait. We're still in February, right? Here's the thing. You've been a great producer for us since you came aboard, but this is your first March with the show. I can't believe I actually produced this thing for a decade, but that actually did happen. March, everything changes, of course. This show, today's show, this specific episode is one that our listeners look forward to because, you know, we change up the beginning of the pod, you know, really get people in the mood for what this month is all about. I got it. Say no more, fam. Okay, I actually kind of like that. Is that public enemy? That's good. That's good. But I thought we talked about this. You know what we needed to be playing like 30 seconds ago, right? Okay, okay. okay. I got a little too eager. I know exactly what you're looking for this time. The world is a vampire. Santa drain. Wait, no, 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 no. I mean, Song Undeniably Rules. Sorry, I got caught up there. Uh, Not what I was getting at. And where the heck did you find that? I mean, it was listed under Gary Parish go-to karaoke bangers. Got it, got it. That makes sense. What else is in that pile, by the way? Uh, I mean, it looks like it's all Kanye, Bubba Sparks, Pusha T, Moneybag Yo. And, oh, yeah, there's the entirety of Gwen Stefani's solo catalog in here. Obviously. Yeah, th- there's more. There's more. Oh, oh, there's more. Okay, what do you got? Three unopened pairs of AirPods, uh, five packs of medium white undershirts, a book titled Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot, and I think this is a handwritten list of people he knows. He says, who can I pay to do things for me? Okay, that's another show. All right, all right. <sighs> all right, you see that creative music over there? Absolutely. Yes, I do. You see where it says CBS College Hoops theme song. Oh, that's what you're looking for. Got it. You ready? Let's do this. Mm, That's good. It's just not that exact one. All right. Boom. This should be it. Oh, come on! Come on, Close! So close. Not quite my vintage. Not my tempo. Let's go. You feel that build in your stomach? You know what? I think it's that one right there. Okay, okay. But you think the listeners are ready for this one? 
I mean, they've sat through all of this so far. So the question is not, are you ready for this? Are you ready to feel a nostalgic jolt of energy so powerful your body might actually levitate off the ground? Did you ever think, could you ever dream that a guitar pick scrape against the strings could tear open a pathway to your very soul? Give the people what they want. Give them what they need. You mean like now? Damn it, just play the song already. Hey there! <laughs> Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022. Second day of March. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, leaky black, Sometimes we have four-minute intros. Matt Norlander is here with me. You're watching on YouTube. Please smash that like button like you're Brandon Davies. If you're not subscribed, go subscribe, please. Dead leg. Somebody's been putting in extra work. Look at all the extra work you guys put in. We did. As I tweeted on Tuesday, um, last year's is the apex. It's never getting better than last year, but but had to introduce content. By the way, that's, that's true for every year the rest of your life. Nothing will ever be hitter than last year. Okay, we're already getting comments. You need the whole song. Listen, it, if you are listening on the podcast, you're going to notice that the entire song is playing underneath. But if you're watching live on YouTube on Wednesday morning, first of all, smash the like button. Second of all, like your Brandon Davies, because we had to introduce different elements of production here. It was a quick fade out. So if you want the entire intro again with the song underneath GP's intro, you're going to hear that on the podcast version, uh, either when you're literally listening to this right now, or if you're watching and you want to listen to it later, you can do that. So that was, uh, yeah, man. How about that? By the way, you want to explain, um, want to, what was that? What was that book? By the way, sex, Jesus and the conversations the church forgot to have that's in your pile. You got a, you got an explanation for that parish. Premarital sex? Um, you, you studying up right there or what? I will tell you an actual book that's in my home that I got to fit. Tell me if you would be offended by this. Uh, come home one day and my wife has got a book sitting on the nightstand. She ordered a book. She's reading it. She's like got a bookmark in it and the whole thing. She's, like, she's on page 82, right? You know what the title of the book is? It's, it's, it's something close to this, <laughs> perhaps exactly this. Here's the title of the book. How to Successfully Live with Screwed Up People. <laughs> Should I be offended by that? Uh, no, I didn't. No, I don't think so. And not as Mike being on completely just threw me for a second. I thought there was someone in there. That was the book. I room for a second with you. No, there's nobody in my hotel room. Nobody would ever come in my hotel room. Nobody by the way, the, the, yeah. the sun, the, I'm facing the sun in New York City today. And so that's why I can't have... The city as the backdrop because I you wouldn't even be able to see me, which may may or may not be and, better. And, how and, to and, successfully yeah. live with screwed up people? That was the book. I think that how actually dare, makes sense. Yeah. How dare you buy that book and set it where I can see it? Like when I wake up, talk about messing up somebody's day. Uh, amazing, man! Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Your internet doing okay over there, by the way, buddy? The no, internet's internet. out in New York City. <laughs> God, is it? Did St. John's lose last night? I mean, I don't even know anymore. Hey, listen, this isn't a joke. Your your internet is actually out right now. Only by the pure brilliance of technology and phone latching are we even having a podcast. Personal hotspot is a game changer. 
I can remember when I first got into this business, I'd cover high school sports for the commercial appeal, and I'd go to a football game on a Friday night, and I might actually have to go to a payphone and dictate my story to somebody back at the office. Yep. And now I've got a hotspot. So even when St. John's loses and the internet goes out like it does in Indiana all the time, look at it. We're still here. We're here. It's March. Hope everyone liked the intro. Had to bring in Nada for that. Wanted to get a little bit of a different flavor versus last year. So, yes, we we put in a little, <laughs> put in a little extra work and uh, hope it gets you as amped as it does for me. If you are new to the podcast, a, rem- uh, uh, a reminder or... I guess uh, a bulletin here that every March episode starts with the old school classic best version of the NCAA on CBS theme song. So that'll be in your life for the rest of the month. The biggest result of Tuesday night. It originated in Madison, Wisconsin. Final score, Wisconsin 70, Purdue 67, Chucky Hepburn, Audrey's great-grandson. Of course. I I knew that was coming. I knew I... Knew it. I watched this what game last it? night, and I was like, is Paris going to invoke Aubrey Hepburn? I, I knew it. I knew you were And I got no, I'm not objecting, but continue. Yeah, yeah, he's Audrey Hepburn's great-grandson. I saw this in the official bio, Wisconsin mm. uh, Sports. Uh, the official Wisconsin Sports. Website. Wisconsin. Also, 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 Jalen Crutcher's cousin, <laughs> Chucky Hepburn, banked in a three-pointer in the final seconds to break a tie, win a game. So the Badgers have secured... Uh, at least to share the Big Ten title. And if they beat Nebraska on Saturday, which, by the way, is suddenly harder than it used to be, it's still likely to do it, but still harder than it used to be, if uh, Wisconsin beats Nebraska this weekend, um, and they'll be double-digit favorites, they will be the outright Big Ten champ for the first time since 2015, and they'll do it in a season in which they were picked 10th in the preseason Big Ten poll. Make sense of it, dead leg. Oh, I can make sense of something else real quick. Nebraska went to Fred Hoiberg and said, if you want to be our coach, we're not going to pay you as much money, and they can't lose since that happened. On the road, <laughs> two straight wins. If I'm Wisconsin, I'm terrified. Nebraska won at Penn State, at Ohio State, and next, as you just said, at Wisconsin. That's going to be on Sunday. Make sense of it? If you can walk into Value City, you can maybe walk into Cole. You might be able to walk into Cole because we know everyone's walking into Pinnacle Bank, so... Um, man, what it makes sense of Wisconsin. Well, you know, this is obviously nothing new, new now makes sense of Wisconsin and how it's so different in the, in the metrics. You know, we, we don't need to keep having this conversation. I feel like this has become like a, a very dominant conversation this season in terms of teams with good records, not having those records reflected in where they might sit in Torvik or the Massey composite or Ken Palm or whatever you want to say. And, you know, we've explained that plenty. If you have narrow margins of victory over teams that you're supposed to be a lot better than, it's going to drag you down. If you have blowout losses, sometimes that'll drag you down. And that's happened with Wisconsin a couple of times. But at 24 and 5, what else do we need to see here? Team is just terrific. Yes, there were some ridiculous shots. I loved how it played out. Yeah, Johnny Davis, banks open. Jade Navi says, no one else is getting this ball. I'm taking this three right now. Just cradles it in, ties the game. No timeout. Chucky Hepburn off the glass. Just beautiful. By the way, love Johnny Davis's quote after the game. He said, quote, there's a cur- curse in here. Kids, earmuffs, adults in the car. Not that bad, but I just want to give a, I want to give a heads up. Hey, I'm not going to lie, Johnny Davis said. That was some bullshit, but it went in. 
I love that. Love that from Johnny Davis. And yeah, Wisconsin, uh, it gets the win. Yeah. Okay. Credit to Torvik on this. He tweeted this out a few days ago. Now it's a yet another one. So Wisconsin right now in games decided by six points or fewer this season, 15 and one, six points or fewer are games that went to overtime. Close games. All right. It's the, the most- new Providence. Even better than profit. Yeah, it's the most close game outcomes in terms like 15 to one is the most by any team in a decade. And it's the most ever by any team that had more than 10 and only one or fewer losses. So Wisconsin is basically proving to be better in close game situations than any team of the past 14 seasons. It's remarkable. Uh, Purdue has been a, has been a victim to some close game results and taking some losses this season. But you know, toss me your question or your thoughts on Wisconsin, but also are you with me at least that Wisconsin has to now be sitting at the table for one seat? I'm not giving them a one today. Gosh, man, I, you would have thought these people were the same people that hate Gonzaga and they, they may, they may well could be, but I put out on Tuesday night. I was like, listen, here's the deal. 24 and five, 16 and four record top two quadrants. Only Kansas has more at 17 in the top two quadrants. KPI's third strength of records fourth. Four and one in quad three, and the one loss that quad three is, is to Rutgers. And then there's 12 and two road neutral. To me, it's at least a discussion. If Wisconsin doesn't lose again, I think it should be a number one seed if it does not lose again. This resume based metrics obviously support that. The predictors absolutely do not. So, in a weird way, I'm almost, I want to see that. I want to see where Wisconsin, now if Wisconsin keeps winning and beating good teams in the Big Ten tournament, it's not going to be like 21st in Ken Pop. It's going to be up to like 11 or 10, and I think it's going to be much more reasonable. But right now, I think it's hard for a lot of people to wrap their minds around the idea that they've seen this Wisconsin team continually win close game after close game after close game. They don't light the world on fire on offense. They can't shoot from three hardly well at all. And so they don't. this doesn't look like a number one seed. But from what they've been able to prove, I think they're at least they've gotten to a point where we have to discuss that being a possibility because of their overall play against the top two quadrants. Really, really good record. They should not be a one seed today. If right. we were doing the tournament right now, they do not have the resume to be a one seed. But to your point, if they went out, I mean, that means beating Nebraska this weekend and then winning the Big Ten tournament. And if they do those things, they'd be outright Big Ten champs and Big Ten tournament champs. And yes, then they would be a one seed. Um, I, I said a similar thing about Providence, you know, before last night. If Providence would have won at Villanova last night, they're outright Big East champs, and then they win the Big East tournament. I think Providence, despite not so great computer numbers for the exact same reasons of Wisconsin would have been, could be, um, would have been a one seed in the NCAA tournament. I think that's now over for Providence. They're playing for a two, a three. They're in that range, um, but they're not going to be able to get to a one now. Um, Wisconsin would not be a one now, but yes, I agree. If they went out, because think about what you got to do to win the Big Ten tournament. I mean, whatever that bracket looks like, you're going to have to go through some monsters to get there and cut nets. And if they do that, they're, they're then going to have, you know, X amount of wins inside quadrant one, X in quadrant two, X in the first two quadrants. They would then only have that one, like, silly loss in quadrant three. Yeah, that would be a one seed. They're not a one seed right now, but they, they can get there. I think it requires them winning every game between now and Selection Sunday. Where is Wisconsin in your rankings this morning? I uh, obviously moved them up. I moved them into the top eight because that's how I know I – projected them as a as a two seed i've got them at number seven right now wednesday mornings top 25 and one number one gonzaga number two baylor number three arizona oh boy what they do to usc last night number four auburn number five duke 
number six, Kentucky, number seven, Wisconsin, number eight, Kansas, number nine, Villanova, number 10, Providence. All right. So there we, uh, there we have it. Yes. Wisconsin is going to almost certainly going to win the big 10 outright trivia time. Last time that happened, big 10 outright champions for the Badgers. Literally said it already on this podcast, 2015. <laughs> I missed that one. Okay. So you got it. No, I'm giving it. How, to, win. how to successfully do a podcast with screwed up people. Get me that book. I wrote that book. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Author wrote- Matt Norlander. <laughs> Author Matt Norlander in his classic 16-minute read. I can't wait to click on something you write that doesn't say 16-minute read. Oh, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? Um, Every time I click on it, it says 16-minute read. I'm like, son of a bitch. 16 minutes. I got, I got time for this. <laughs> what are we doing? Read? You think I got time to write it? <laughs> I still got I just got a quarter. You realize we could, we, could, we, could, we could save each other time if you just relax a little bit. Give me a good seven-minute read. I'm gonna try. Uh, we got we got another long one coming. Duke Duke stuff related. Just get ready for it. But it'll be it'll be a fun one. We'll probably actually debate a little bit about that on Friday. A little bit on a little bit on Friday. A little teaser, something uh, related to Duke's players and Coach K that we're gonna run Thursday. Uh, we'll talk about that on Friday. Um, real quick on Purdue. Purdue at this point, uh, you know, I don't has it entered Auburn territory in terms of. Uh, you know, we we tend to go to uh, how much are you concerned? And I don't know about that, but, you know, three and three in the past six, just like Auburn and averaging 67 points in his past six games. Whereas before that six game stretch, it was, you know, north of 87 uh, points per game on average. The, the losses are at Michigan projected tournament team right now at Michigan State projected tournament team at Wisconsin projected tournament team. The last two are by a combined six points. They got rolled by Michigan. That was back on February 10th. So it's been a, it's been a bit since then. And the other, and the wins in that stretch are not against tournament teams, Maryland, not in the field, Northwestern, not in the field. Rutgers definitely off from being in the field at this point there. So um, yeah, just, just, if you have any on Purdue, I'm just saying, yeah, well, listen, obviously we, we've talked so much about Purdue. I, yeah. I think everybody knows where I'm at on Purdue. I, I love Matt Painter. I love the roster. Jay Nivey's incredible. Zach Eady's awesome. They do not guard very well, and that's a problem. If you try to make the first Final Four for your school since 1980, guarding in this way makes it an unlikely scenario. It's wild. Um, sitting in studio um, with different people um, every week. Last night was Shelvin Mack and, and Chris Walker, and you know I, I think both of them said, Purdue, I'm picking Purdue to go to the Final Four. I love Purdue. I love Purdue. I love Purdue. everybody loves Purdue because they're all they're fun to watch. I mean, Jaden Ivy is unbelievable. Um, you know, when they're alternating those bigs, it's great. They're terrific offensively in general. Everybody loves Purdue. They're fun to watch. But the problem is they they you know the numbers are the numbers. They don't guard. And that's a problem if you're trying to get to the final four. Doesn't mean they can't do it, it just means that teams like them don't typically do it. Last night, I will defend them. On the final possession against Michigan State, they did not guard that well. They got Trevion Williams on an island with a little guard who shoots above 50% from three. He had to back up, launched, ball game. But they, in a four-day span, found themselves in a tie game with less than 10 seconds to play in regulation. 
and they need to stop. They did not perform well in those final 10 seconds against Michigan State. Last night? What are you going to do? I mean, they're just banging one off the backboard in on you. That's just unlucky. You know, that's just unfortunate. I think Matt Painter even said it's just bad luck. And he's right. Yeah. You know, Purdue, I, I, like, Purdue actually guarded that situation pretty well. Contested. Um, you know, Hepburn didn't get some wide open look like Tyson Walker did. He just banged it in off the backboard. It's just bad luck. So, um, I, I'm comp- what happened last night does not concern me at all with Purdue. They were on the road against the Big Ten champion, and they were in a tie game with less than 10 to play. Whatever. Where were you supposed to be? That's fine. Um, my concern about Purdue is, is can you win four games, three of which will be against quality opponents, to get to the Final Four if you guard the way you guard? Because when they are clicking offensively, they can beat anybody. But as Matt Painter himself has said at certain points of season, you know, when we turn it over, when we're not shooting it well from three, all of these things can happen. Um, then, then it's hard to, and I'm paraphrasing here. These aren't Matt's words, but it's hard to win games against good teams when they're not operating as the best team in the country on the offensive end of the court because they're so susceptible on defense. And that's hard to do. Any coach will tell you, you're probably not going to play four straight games great offensively in the NCAA tournament. So how does Purdue win when it's not great offensively? That's the question. You know, we'll see, but that would be the concern. Purdue will close the season on Sunday at home against Indiana, which has a win or else situation on Wednesday night when it plays against Rutgers at home. So there were some other interesting developments from the past couple of nights. We're going to get into that next, but first, a word from our sponsors. My name is Travis. I am the founder of Uber. And contrary to what you might have read, I am not a monster. He is bold and uncompromising. Is this legal? Grow <laughs> or die. You need to start listening to the people that help build this company. The city has been taken! The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. 
At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Oh, 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 oh. Let's stop for a second. Let's stop here for a second. Well, what are you going to are you going to say what I was going to say? What's well, the Pearl Jam? Exactly. Pearl Jam. Why go? Jam. I'm in and it's got the uh it's got the woman who was the lead actress in Halt and Catch Fire. I'm in. Sold. Sold. Think I might think I might stream that. There we go. Pearl exactly. I was like, "Whoa, what are we doing here?" Like I might have to stream that. I'd stream like to know how I'd like to know how Uber became Uber. Yeah. Wouldn't you like to know how Uber became Uber? I, I yes. Yes. Man, I got why going in my head now. That's a good that's a good thing. All right, what do you want to talk about? I want to talk about this. <laughs> okay, you want to do 20 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> so some other interesting results from the past two nights. Let me walk you through some bullet points. Arizona secured the outright Pac-12 title. Bombed USC at USC. Yeah. Boise State secured. Probably shouldn't be using the word bombed <laughs> as it pertains to basketball. I apologize. That was ridiculous. Boise State. Secure the outright Mountain West title with a win over Nevada. Is that true? You're shaking your head like it's not true. No, it's true. All right, good. Duke. <laughs> it's, it's true. Dude, I went to bed at 4 a.m. I don't know if any of this stuff's true. <laughs> I just, just type stuff with one eye open. Duke secured a, at least a share of the ACC title with a win at Pitt. Houston secured at least a share of the AAC title with a win over Cincinnati. On Monday night, Baylor won at Texas, grabbed its national best 12th quadrant one win. Villanova completed a regular se- season sweep of Providence. And like we mentioned already, Nebraska walked straight into Value City. Dead leg has yeah. been a busy couple of days. Tired. Paris saying we can't do the podcast at 10 a.m. when I'm up till 4 a.m. Wired. The podcast is never better than when Paris is on as little asleep as possible. So I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'll tell you, listen, just, just, just chill and I'll go through this here real quick. Well, we, we, we hit on a few results. Uh, we'll go a little bit chronological order. Baylor. Oh, by the way, as we speak, second in Ken Palm, Gonzaga, then Baylor. Now there's many more title contenders. We were literally here a year ago. It's Gonzaga <laughs> and then Baylor. One, two in Ken Palm. Scott Drew. Again, the the race for player of the year, we still got to see it. Well, we'll see. We'll talk about it Friday, right? But it's been crowded, and the coach of the year is the same. And Scott Drew's got to be, like, top 10 for coach of the year. Top hey. 10, top top three, top, like, maybe number one. This dude lost. First off, he's coaching at Baylor. Let's start there, all right? Like, this is, he's not the head coach at Kentucky. He's not the head coach at North Carolina. He's the head coach at Baylor. And I say that with all due respect. You know what I mean. When he took over Baylor, what was Baylor? It wasn't Kentucky. It wasn't North Carolina. He's built this into this. Won a national title. Lost four starters. Is now down two rotation players. And is about to be a number one seed again for the second straight year. And it would be three straight years if the dumbest pandemic in my lifetime wouldn't have canceled the 2020 NCAA tournament. Like, we've been banging the drum like Ed Cooley. Coach of the year. Um, yeah. And 
and and and various other men within the sport. I'm not certain it shouldn't be Scott Drew at this point. He's that well, Greg Gard, another one. Pick tenth in the Big Ten. Two seed right now. There's a lot. But yes, Scott Drew, I haven't heard any of that. Just wanted to inject it into the pod because <laughs> it's just a joke, man. This team is 25 and 5, top 10 in offensive and defensive efficiency. And they're down their most, most important big man for the rest of the season. What's his name, Parrish? Jonathan Chamwa Chachawa. And they don't have the leading scorer, LJ Cryer, who I didn't hear Frasilla say this on the broadcast, but someone tweeted he said it. And it wasn't it's this Seth game. Davis. It's our friend it's Seth, Seth Davis. Seth Davis said it, right? Seth Davis tweeted that Frasilla said he doesn't think Cryer's playing the rest of the year. Now, I don't Which know if I don't know if that's one of those deals where, like, you know, he, they go to the shoot-arounds, like, does, does, I don't know if this happened or not, but, like, is Frischilla just riffing? Or is that Scott no. Drew kind of maybe casually saying, like, I don't know, and then Frischilla just winds up saying it. I don't, t- I don't know. No. Franny is plugged into the Big 12. Super Let me just tell you, when you work those games, you go to shoot-around, and it's a very casual, candid conversation with the coaching staff while players are out there shooting free throws. Um, I, Like, I did not hear Fran say that because I was traveling on Monday night and hear him say it with my own ears. But like uh, Seth Davis did, I trust Seth Davis, and um, I trust Fran Fragilla. Fran didn't just throw that out, right? All loosey goosey. Uh, if Fran said that he doesn't think LJ Cryer is playing again this season, I would assume there's a good chance LJ Cryer doesn't play again this season, which would obviously be less than ideal. Agreed. Um, so Baylor maintains its one seed status with that win. And yeah, again, you know, 16 quad one, quad two wins, uh, 16 and five record, by the way, again, Wisconsin, 16 and four quad one and quad two record. I also want to mention San Diego state won at Wyoming on Monday. Uh, I think that, I think that should lock the Aztecs there. Mountain West should get four in. Uh, I, San Diego state rates as the best team at Ken Palm, but from a bracket perspective, it was in the uh, weakest spot. The, the Aztecs are the number one team in defensive efficiency at Ken Palm right now. 19 and 7 overall. They're going to play Thursday night at home against Fresno State. Just don't slip up there and then lose at Nevada, but San Diego State should be good. Another notable result uh, from Monday night. North Carolina won an OT just to kind of keep its its status uh, relatively static, if you will. Uh, Tuesday. Okay. Uh, USC, to everyone who thought it's a paper tiger, you're basically right. USC got absolutely housed in this game. Housed. They were 20. Five and four going in. They're 25 and five. They lost by 20. It felt like 40. Arizona destroyed them. Arizona looked incredible. And they're 26 and three. Still on the one line. Um, I I don't know what you want me to say. This the, Tommy Lloyd I, told you. Tommy Lloyd told you on Saturday the loss of Colorado did not matter. He, 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 dude, he was on it. He was on it. Absolutely on it. Ben Matherin had 19. Kukrisa had 18. Dale and Terry and uh, Omar Balo had 11 apiece, while Justin Keir had 12 for Arizona. I was uh, I was finishing up the the court report as I was watching this. So I was like watching the game, but writing and all that. And uh, every time I looked up, Arizona was dunking on USC. Like every 90 seconds. Like I never saw USC's possessions. I was looking up. It was just Arizona, one after another, after another, 15, 20, 25-point lead. I was like, all right, well, going to make it an easy night then. So good on the Wildcats for uh, for winning like that. And you're right. Tommy Lee called it. Didn't mean anything. Absolutely didn't mean anything. Um, Michigan won. How about this? And then we'll get to Ohio State. Michigan wins. It's now 16 and 12. Since February 10th, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. Next game, Thursday, Iowa at home. Kind of an intriguing game for both teams. Michigan's in the field. Iowa's in the field. 
I said on CBS Sports HQ a few days ago that if you only have one quad one win or zero, you don't you shouldn't be able to get into the NCAA tournament from a power conference. Iowa only has one quad one win, but they're safely in the field. I don't know. We'll see if Iowa doesn't win against Michigan and then it doesn't win against Illinois and then it loses its first Big Ten tournament game. Are we absolutely certain the Hawkeyes are going to the NCAA tournament? They'd have one quad one win and they'd be sub 500 in quad one and quad two. Just something. I'm not looking for an answer from you, GP. Just something to to think about. If they beat Michigan, then I think they're going to be good no matter what. But just keep it in mind. Like um, On that note, and I don't know yeah. if you call the AAC a power conference, but Houston has zero quad one wins. They're fourth call, in the uh, net. Fourth in the net. Four, yeah, I mean, I don't blame you. I don't know that I would call the American in a uh, power conference right now either. But Houston has zero quad one wins. Now, they can pick one up this weekend at Memphis. But they head into the weekend with zero quarter one wins, and they're fourth in the net. Incredible computer numbers, but no, nothing good in the first quarter. They're zero and three in quarter one opportunities. Wow, you're right about that, man. Talk about the American dragging them down. Yikes! And yet they've they've overcome it. Like predictives have them top six, resume, KPI, strength of record, fourteen, and that's that's and they're st- they're still fourth in the net. If you want any evidence, and there's we're not short on this at all, that the net, which I've maintained since it started, is more predictive than results-based, uh, you know. And this is fine. I don't have necessarily an issue with it. I'm glad they have results-based metrics to evaluate off this as well. Uh, the net, you know, kind of dancing in tandem with your Sagarins and Ken Palms and Torvix, uh, highly reflective in many ways there, in many ways. So, yeah, fourth in the net for, for Houston. Okay, let's talk Ohio State real quick. We, we bang on Purdue all the time for its lack of defense. And we like, E.J. Liddell's a good defender. Malachi Branham's a good defender. But Ohio State, are you aware that it's, it's, it's worse defensively? Now, Purdue right now is 102 in the nation. Points per possession allowed adjusted. Ohio State, 118. Has lost three of its past five. Kind of spiraling. Loses at home to Nebraska. 78-70. And in the game, Bryce McGowan's was, was terrific. Liddell had 27. Branham had 16. No one else did anything. They didn't have Zed Key available. Kyle Young only played eight minutes. So I get that, but you're at home against Nebraska. Bizarre, Parrish, bizarre one. And that is a seed line knock to the extreme. Ohio State is and Michigan State are really careening off the tracks they thought they were going. And I think OSU with this quad four loss, like it's going to have to really do damage in the Big Ten tournament to make up for this and say get to the five line. Thoughts on the Buckeyes? Well, last season, they were fourth in offensive efficiency, 82nd in defensive efficiency. They get knocked off in the first round of the NCAA tournament by Oral Roberts. This season, it's like more of the same. They're 12th in offensive efficiency. Great. And 118th in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. Like, that's a problem. Um, It's wild because I think it was just last week we were talking about Ohio State, and one of the things I noted is that you know, since the second game of the season, they had been between 13th and 24th at Ken Palm the entire season. Never higher than 13th, never lower than 24th. Had never lost back-to-back Ben 10 games. Um, had never won more than two Big Ten games in a row. So they had done nothing that makes us, like, say, hey, we need to talk about Ohio State. They hadn't gone on some wild winning streak that makes you go, oh, boy, where, where is this team headed? They hadn't gone on some wild losing streak that makes you go, oh, man, what's wrong with this team? They had just sort of, you know, win a few, lose one, win a few, lose one, win a few, lose one. 
And then they had a chance heading into this past weekend to sort of break that pattern because they had beaten in Indiana. They had won at Illinois, and then they were playing at Maryland. Maryland's coach quit in December. I just think if you're playing a team whose coach quit, just said, you know what, I can't do this anymore. You should be able to beat that team if you're a legitimate top 25 team. So they were about to win three Big Ten games in a row for the first time this season. And then they lose to Maryland by 15. And then they back it up with a home loss to Nebraska? What? I mean, this team had had nothing outside of the first two quadrants negative. And then they go out and I believe last night the loss to Nebraska was a quadrant four. I said that. <laughs> but, but, I'm just trying to politely correct you. Oh, okay. As of this morning, it's a quadrant three because Nebraska Oh, it is? Moved. Okay, well, there. Nebraska okay. moved. Well, this, I, I need one for me. I was wrong. That's me. I need to get that on the board, and I will. Because you know what? I was wrong. Sorry about that. Because Nebraska moved up to 148th in the net. So now, like when I went to bed, it looked real bad. It was a quadrant four. Woke up, it's a quadrant three. But still, um, you can't lose a game like that at home. And to your point about Bryce McGowan, he was awesome. But, like, I handled the highlight on this last night. The way we uh, – typically do this throughout the night whether it's half times and then inside college basketball it's like um if you get a highlight early just keep that highlight throughout the night because you get more familiar with it the more times you see it and you know just makes the job easier it's smart producing you don't mind me saying and so i had ohio state nebraska highlight and it was like bryce mcgowan's just dr- straight line drives from 25 feet straight to the rim it's like how do he just go straight like you watch NBA games, and it's like John Morant's got to go over here, back here, back here, bounce, bounce, bounce. He's at the rim. Dunk on Yaka Pertle. Like, yeah. this dude, Bryce McGowan's, was just, just – it looked like I could have got to the rim. I mean, he was just going straight to the rim with zero resistance from anybody. Play after play after play. Like, he's awesome. He ain't that awesome. So, like, can somebody stand in front of him? Just one person get it, make him make him go left or right, straight to the rim, over and over again. Good on good on Nebraska. You needed something, so at least you got a little positivity heading into March. There, Ohio State. We'll see if how to successfully live with poor perimeter defenders. Write that book. (laughs) Somebody write that book. That book does need to be written. Um, By the way, the book referenced in the intro actually does exist. Feel free to search it on Amazon. Real book. Um, TCU wins at Kansas, 74-64. Ochai Abaji has 13. Jalen Wilson does as well. Uh, Mike Miles is really good again. Are you locking the Horned Frogs into the field? They're 19-9 right now. Um, They got to play. They got to turn around because of COVID makeups. They got to turn around and play Kansas again uh, on Thursday. So right now, TCU. Best team sheet metric, strength of record, 28. Worst team sheet metric, net and BPI, 46 apiece. Three and five uh, in, against the top quad one opponents it's faced. Six and six overall against quad one. And nine and nine in quad one, quad two. So 500. As an example, Iowa, I said before, uh, Iowa, right? Well, if it loses the next two, it'll be sub 500. Well, Iowa right now, yeah, seven and eight, quad one, quad two. TCU, are you locking them into the field or they need to do win one more game no matter where they get it? I think they're in. I mean, I think they're fine. I mean, 
listen, I don't love the end of the season because, like, you know how this Kansas thing's going. I mean, they're they going to lose by 30. Like, that's the way that you – like, that's – that you're setting? Oh, let's – all right, quick poll. Let's set the over-under Kansas beats TCU Thursday by 29.5. Now, to put that poll up in the YouTube stream, if you can. I'm, ex- if you not, I'm, ex- I'm exaggerating. I don't I, think they're going to lose by 30. No, no, no. No, in all seriousness, I want to see if some people think that Kansas is going to be that demonstrative and come out and, and be that ticked off. Over-under – 29 and a half. So let's see what the poll says. This is the problem with this COVID rescheduling stuff. You beat Kansas, you ought to be like able to enjoy it for a minute and not have to go, do, not have to go, you know, you shouldn't have to go deal with them again two days later. <laughs> These guys are probably, as we speak, watching video of what they just did last night, preparing to play them again. That's, yeah, that's, that's no fun. Yeah, yeah they like, like hey, congratulations. You beat Kansas. Now you got to, you're ready to get on a plane and fly to Lawrence. We got, we got Allen Fieldhouse tomorrow night. What? What we gotta what we gotta go do that again? That's why I, I love it. Yeah. And then at West Virginia, yeah, I know West know. Virginia stinks, but it's still West Virginia, you know. Don't lose it's though. Still, here's the thing. When you're comparing when you're asking the question, is T because TCU's probably like a top eight seed right now. So when you're asking the question, is TCU going to be in the NCAA tournament, no matter what? The only way they wouldn't be possibly, and I don't even think this is true. It's like they they lose at Kansas, lose at West Virginia, lose the Big Twelve tournament opener. All right. If that's if that's on the table, then they're not a lock, even if it's remote. I I, I still think they're in, and here's why: okay. you would you're going to be comparing them to other bubble teams if it comes to that. Right now, they're not. You're not comparing them to bubble teams. They're not on the bubble. They're good. If it comes to that, you're comparing them to other bubble teams. Well, what are other bubble teams going to do between now and then? Mm-hmm. Lose. <laughs> That's what other bubble teams are going to lose, too. TCU's a lock. Yeah, I said it. They're a lock. You're locking them in. I locked them in on HQ overnight as well. I locked them in. They're getting in. This was enough. I think that they can survive it. They're going to get, How gonna to get in. successfully with a horn frog? Yeah, exactly. Somebody write that book. Somebody write horn, that book. Horn frogs get it done. Florida wins 82-78 at Vanderbilt. They had zero business winning this game, but good God, uh, it, it saved any, you know, any kind of at-large hopes Florida still has. It's Florida's going to have to beat Kentucky uh, in Gainesville in the Odom on Saturday. We'll talk about that on the Friday podcast. But they went 82-78. Flanders Fleming hit a big shot late. Um, so I at least wanted to mention. They went on a that. 9-0 run in the last 30 seconds. They, again, it was. I don't know if we will get a team. Like, Vanderbilt's no world beater. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know if we'll get a bubble team in a more like, okay, literally, you lose this game, you don't have a case. And pull out a win so late in such a dire situation the way that Florida did. I thought it was convinced it was losing that game. Won it by four. So, and by the way, Mike White is a living example of why coaches often say, you don't ever want to follow a legend. I know. He, like because there's real are- buzz. There's real, there's real buzz. I don't know if it's going to happen. There's buzz that Mike White and Florida are are not married. You know, come six weeks from now, whether that he would be fired or he would leave, I don't know. If you told me he's coaching next season, I'd believe it. But there's a lot of that right now because he's not Billy Donovan. Dude gets to the tournament, wins games in the tournament more often than not, but he's not Billy Donovan. He does not have Florida at a top three level in the SEC consistently the way that Donovan did when he was there. And Parrish is exactly right. Go ahead. He's been 
the coach of the Gators in each of the past four NCAA tournaments. He's won games in each of the past four NCAA tournaments. He went to an Elite Eight in 2017. And I think if you poll Florida fans, they'd be like, you know what? We're ready to do something else. And that's because he's not Billy Donovan. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not even trying to argue with Florida fans. I'm just acknowledging that going to four state NCAA tournament should not be taken for granted. Is it not as great as like Billy Donovan won back to back national titles? We got it. Billy Donovan's name on the court. Understand. But like going to four state, the idea that you could be on the wrong side of your fan base after going to four straight NCAA tournaments and winning a game in every single one of them is kind of wild. And yet that's where Mike White is. And like, as long as we're just talking rumors and stuff, one of the rumors would be Ole Miss moves on from Kermit Davis, which seems too quick to me. Yeah. But like Ole Miss would move on on from Kermit Davis. And then Mike White, who played at Ole Miss, he's an Ole Miss alum, would uh, find a landing spot in Oxford, similar to the way Shaka Smart found a landing spot at Marquette. Yeah, and uh, again, that's that's definitely like just, you know, some rumors. And the way I understand that right now is that maybe that would be the only reason why Ole Miss would get rid of Kerma is if, if Mike White would leave to come coach. Otherwise, he would be deserving of another year. We'll see. I, again, not so, be clear. We are not. Well, that, right. That's where if you're Ole Miss and Mike White doesn't want to come right now, you you keep Kermit if you have another bad year yeah. and Mike White has another not like year that falls short of what Florida fans want, and then you're back at the same place. Yeah, agreed. We'll see. I don't know. I could see it happening again. We're not reporting this happening. I'm just this is getting discussed behind. No, Norlander is point. Norlander uh, absolutely is not. happening. Absolutely and if you want to read about it, there's a 16 minute read available on the Mike White situation right now at cbssports.com. I promise to keep it under two. Uh, Villanova <laughs> won against um, Providence, so in doing so, it it, it you know it sweeps the Friars, uh, which it, it, I want to see these teams. I'll be at the Big East Tournament next week. I want to see these teams play again, neutral court. Uh, they played two really good games against each other. Uh, Villanova won those games by a combined seven points. It was a two-point home win. Uh, Villanova will close up at Butler on Saturday. And before you think that the Wildcats are just waltzing to a 23 and seven record and 16 to four in the league, uh, Villanova has lost five of its past six games in that building, including when it lost to Baylor at Hinkle in last year's NCAA tournament that, you know, Hinkle has been a house of horrors for Jay Wright. So should win Butler's having a real down season, but you know, there's a bit of a, bit of a hex over uh, over Nova's program with that. Uh, Providence officially won the Big East regular season. We've previously talked about, its regular season is done because all of the makeup games that the, that the school and the league tried to schedule for this upcoming weekend, all of the other teams had games that were scheduled. And so the league was saying, we're not going to remove this team from playing this previously scheduled game just to give Providence an extra game. So because of that, Providence now is the only power conference team whose regular season has been completed. They will sit and wait for, geez, they finished Tuesday. They will not play until Thursday. So they got a nine-day wait before we uh, we see them again as the number one seed in the Big East Tournament. If my memory is correct, the number one always plays the eight at the noon tip at MSG. I will be there. I will be on hand. And right now, real quick, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. The eight seed right now is St. John's. Providence St. John's if the uh, if the slate holds. VCU, this was CBS Sports Network. Going to be a bad internet day. I can already see it coming. 
VCU beats Bonaventure on CBS Sports Network. Paris, did you have this highlight? Did I? No, I didn't. Okay. But I watched the game. Yeah. Boy, they got to one big. Yeah. Shouts to Woj. He texted on a flight last night. He texted me. He's like, yo, do you got to log in so I can watch this game <laughs> on my flight? I said, yeah, I got a Paramount Plus login. I sent it to him. About Woj eight minutes is leaving Paramount Plus logins? About eight minutes later, he's like, I can't watch this anymore. He was so disgusted. Obviously, St. Bonaventure is shorthanded. They were missing the big. That's a big deal. On the road at VCU. Um, I think VCU still has a pat. Like, VCU's got a better resume than – I think I'm better on with VCU's resume than like, Jerry Palm is. I'm not questioning I Jerry Palm. I think I'm worse. Really Palm's worse? Palm's not in the field. Interesting. You okay, have, so mom has him barely in the field. You've got him a little right. better. I think I'm a little. I'm, I think I'm slightly worse. Make the case. Like if I remember correctly, last night, after that win, they moved to six and six in the first two quadrants, and they've got one quadrant three right loss. Right. Yep. Um. Like I just like I, I'm always uh, looking at these things, and like 500 in the first two quadrants is good. And then you just got one quadrant three loss. I I just I looked at VCU. I was like, why are they not already in the field even before last night? And again, I'm not trying to be an amateur bracketologist. I'll let those guys do that. I'll just I'll do what I do. But I, I think VCU is 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 going to end up in the NCAA tournament. They they they're the Bonnies at this point. That's probably it, right? They probably need the automatic. Yeah, they're gone. That's it. Yep, they got to win it. They got to yeah. win the HN tournament. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean um, they got they got blown out. Okay, VCU. I mean, it's been fantastic as of late, but as a reminder, I even had a coach bring this up to me on Tuesday. Um, your final 10 games, like that thing doesn't, that's not a, cri- a criterion and hasn't been for more than a decade. So how well you've played from like the beginning of February till selection, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a thing. But I, I will say that VCU has played well as of late to get itself even into this tournament conversation. I highlighted them actually a few weeks ago on the court report. This was a 10 and 6 team six weeks ago since then they've only lost once they've put, peeled off uh, 11 straight wins 11 and one in that stretch only loss was at home they got roasted by Dayton which oh by the way won on a alley-oop inbounds buzzer beating dunk against Richmond on Tuesday night I still don't think Dayton has a case just as an aside there because they lost to LaSalle I think there's too much bad on that resume if we look up and the Flyers are in the a 10 title game then let's talk but I right I, I, I have it, a hard takes, time it, seeing them it, overcome it, that it takes at least that, but yeah, Dayton, at least. Um, and then even then, I'm. I mean, we talked about this last time in college basketball. Um, if they get to the title game, that we can have a conversation. But like, they probably need to get the automatic bid to get there. And with this one-time transfer waiver, you know, who knows what anybody's roster is going to look like. But if Anthony Grant can keep these young guys at Dayton. Mm-hmm. They're going to be yeah. really good, really soon. Really good, they've really soon. A, he's got some. Got a, he's got some nice freshmen. VCU's best wins at Vanderbilt, neutral against Syracuse. I mean, okay, Syracuse is bad this season. They're at Dayton, at Davidson. It's solid. Uh, on the whole, the they're there. I would have them out of the field right now. Now they got to go at St. Louis. That should be a quad one win if they win. If they win at St. Louis, that'll probably be enough to get them in. But 
I just, if I'm VCU, I get one more quad one win, and I think that does it. So I'm just, a, I'd have him like one or two, three, just missing out on the field right now. You've got him a little more comfortably in. And don't, we'll don't they have, don't they have that this weekend at St. Louis? Is that where they're at? I just said that. Oh Christ! Well, I just got a text, and it distracted me. Let me tell you what this text says. It's from a phone number that's not in my phone, and here's what it says: Hey Gary, how's your day going? Why would somebody text me that? Any 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 history with the text? Any history? Nothing. Any previous interactions? It's, it's zero. Hey Gary, Ooh. how's your day? My day's going terribly. All right? know what, all right, we know what that is. We know what that is. What is, what is that? That is. That is a producer at a radio station who has acquired uh, your telephone number from someone who knows who. Not not identifying yourself is a is an easy way to not get a text response. But he's hoping yeah, you respond. Zero, zero chance I'll respond to this. Who this, is this? This, this could be this could hey, be Jeremy at the sports animal. Ninety nine point four San Diego. Wondering if it you could had be Sydney Sweeney. I'm not responding. <laughs> It could be Sydney Sweeney. Minutes. I'll never respond. <laughs> we keep talking. Could be Sydney Sweeney. What if it is Sydney Sweeney, though? What a missed opportunity that would be for me. There's only you know? one way to find it. There's what if only I text one. Back? <laughs> I will what if respond I text back? <laughs> There's a decent chance Sydney? the person it listens to this podcast as well. So now they're going to know. What if I if text back? Is this, is this Sydney Sweeney? If not, Go to hell. <laughs> I think you should actually do it. Do it. Let us know. Do it and let us know how that worked out for you. Do you want me to type that exactly? Is this? Sydney yes, Sweeney? I do. If I not- actually do. I want you to type that. I want you to type that. And then by the end of the podcast, I want to see what this person responds. If they respond, please do. Yes. Well, what do you, what, what do you have this- to lose? What's the area code? Well, give us the area. Just give us the area code. This is the reason I'm hesitant. It's 901 area code. That's New York. Like, what if it's my grandmother's neighbor or something? Oh, that's you know? Tennessee. Okay, Tennessee. Well, I'm, I'm thinking 918. Um, 901. That's Memphis. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. 901. Um, Rest in peace to Dolph. You know what? That's fair. If it's Memphis, I think you got to wait. I think he can't do it. What if Sidney Sweeney has a Memphis area code, though? Have we talked about that? Not, not the case. Uh, by the way, 20, 2022 marks the 50th anniversary of Title IX, and the Attacking Third podcast is celebrating the anniversary of all of March for Women's History Month. Each Tuesday during March, hosts Lisa Roman and Sandra Herrera will chat with groundbreakers in women's sports from Sam Mewis to Katrina Adams to Amy Trask and Leslie Visser. Listen to Attacking Third's Title IX Tuesdays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are found. Um, What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, what did it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. It was a very 
very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. I wrote a story on Tuesday that went up. 16 minute read, by the way, about the. Trust me. Trust me. I know. I know. Did a nice job with it. I spent 16 minutes uh, reading it. You did read it. All right. Well, that's all I can ask. So, seven Ukrainian born Division I men's basketball players. Um, across the country, uh, from Grand Canyon to San Francisco, Fordham, Utah State, Tulsa, Canisius, and Maryland. Those are the seven schools. Um, I spoke with most of them, got a couple of statements from the from the few others to basically just, you know, I wanted to shed a light on seven players whose day-to-day life is different from every other person involved in men's co- Division One college basketball right now. Um, some of them have families that literally cannot leave the capital of Kiev, which is under attack. Some of them come from other parts of the country. A uh, player at Grand Canyon is from an area called Yalta, which is in Crimea, which has been owned uh, or controlled, I should say, by Russia since 2014. Um, so his perspective was a little bit different than um, a couple of the players like um, Pavlo Zhuba from Maryland, who's from Kiev. A couple of these players who grew up in Kiev said, listen, you know, Russia as a threat kind of was always there. But uh, and there was the the Donbass war on the eastern side of the country. But we never thought that it was ever going to come to this. I'm like, I'm truly shocked. Whereas, um, you know, Grand Canyon's player, he's from a, a part of the country where you can't it's Russian controlled propaganda everywhere. You can't speak out against this stuff. And so for him, uh, you know, the war just didn't come as much of a surprise, but some have families that have members that have been able to get out. Some don't. One of them has a father who was literally fighting in the war every single day, uh, lives near the western side of the country, uh, near a near a ski town. Some of these uh, some of these places obviously are, are, are a bit hard to pronounce, but I want to I want to get this right here. So um, it's ski town. Uh, it's San Francisco. Um, Vova. Marco Hovetsky is his name. His father, uh, they live near, uh, I want to get this just right here because he, uh, he was so proud of where he came from, which was another thing altogether just to hear what these guys kind of speak about where they grew up in. It's Ivano Frankovisk, I believe it's called. And his dad, his mother and sister got out of the country through Poland up to Lithuania. They knew someone they're safe for now. His mother's actually a nurse. And that story and how they even got out is detailed in the piece. But his father, like he normally trains police officers. He works in law enforcement and he is able to sleep in his own house. But every single day he wakes up, leaves, grabs his AK-47 and goes and fights. Um, Story leads off with a player from Tulsa, Nikita Konstantinovsky, I believe, uh, is the pronunciation there. I mean, this is just wild. So last Wednesday, a week ago. Tulsa's playing at SMU, okay? He's in the warm-up line. It's like 12 minutes before the game starts. Someone goes over, uh, and some of them call him Neo. Uh, Neo, someone wants to talk to you. So he gets pulled off the court into like a hallway, 
and he turns the corner and it's George W. Bush, former president of the United States. Now, Bush lives in the area and he occasionally attends SMU basketball games. And I was actually told the the entire situation is wild because it was bad weather that night in Dallas. So it would have been entirely reasonable if Bush just decided, I don't want to, I'm just not going to endure the hard weather and go to see this game. There, one, there's that. Two, the Tulsa SMU game happens to coincide almost exactly with Russia firing its first shots in Ukraine. So, you know, Bush, I, no one even knows how Bush found out that Tulsa had a backup center from Ukraine on its roster. I mean, as I kind of point out in the piece, when you travel with security, secret service detail, like these are the things they look like someone might've just looked up the, the game roster. You just, if you work secret service, you got to know everything about a situation. If you're with a sitting president, a former president, the whole deal, but Tulsa still doesn't know how he found out who told Bush. And he just basically, uh, Nikita told me, you know, he just wanted to express to me, uh, how he supports the Ukraine, uh, excuse me, it supports Ukraine and the Ukrainian people. And, you know, his thoughts were with him and his country. And at that moment, Russia had actually not fired its first shots in the country. But by the time the game ended, kind of like a window into, you know, he's a former president. He's going to get certain intel briefings if he so chooses. Like he clearly knew. And it was it was building for days to that point. But he it really like Bush clearly knew that it, this was about to happen. Like it was it was minutes, if not hours away. And uh, it's just it's just wild. Um, so that's how the, that's how the story starts. And then, you know, players one by one. They kind of couldn't believe it, uh, that it was actually happening. It actually escalated to this point. And, you know, they're on the other side of the world. You, they, they grow up in Ukraine. It, to get out of Ukraine and be good enough to play Division One basketball, it's not super rare, but there's seven of these guys here right now. You know, it happens. It's just not that common. And a couple of them, like, you don't – normally you don't go from Ukraine – and then, okay, now I'm in D1. Usually you're good enough where you'll go play for an academy elsewhere in Europe. A couple of these guys played in Spain. A couple of guys grew up together, by the way, playing for the Ukrainian junior national team. And so anyway, the point is, like, you want to go to America, play college basketball. Maybe that can set you up for a life as a professional, wherever that will lead you, NBA, Europe, wherever, right? And so they do this, but now they're helpless, and I, I'm not going to give away all the details. If you haven't read it, please go read it. We'll put it in the podcast description as well, but... A couple of them told me, like, I don't, and some of this didn't make it into the story. The story is, is long, and I didn't want to, you know, bog it down totally with quotes. But a couple of them told me, like, I'd, I'd rather not be here right now in the United States playing basketball. Like, if you told me I could get on a plane, go home right now, and be with my family and help fight for Ukraine, that's what I would do. I mean, these the conversations were heavy. They were wowing. Um, some, of them, some of it was uplifting in terms of just the spirit of these players. It's just incredible. But when I was talking to Nikita, the player at Tulsa, like we're literally talking on Sunday night and he's going through what he's lived through in the previous three, four days. These guys are getting text messages and videos on like secure messaging apps. There's one called Telegram, which I was not aware of until I did the story. But, you know, they're not using WhatsApp. They're not using Signal. They just use a thing called Telegram where you can have like a, a group phone call with like eight people. So they're get, he's getting phone calls. They're literally getting updates of photos and videos of the destruction happening from their friends. It's not like, hey, I saw this on my social media feed. Look at this news clip. It's literally their friends taking these photos and videos and sending these players updates over messaging. And again, remember, they're six, seven, eight, nine hours ahead in Ukraine, depending on 
where these players are located in the States. And so oftentimes a lot of what's happening is these people are giving these updates in the morning time in Ukraine, but it's nighttime here. So these guys are either having trouble sleeping and they're literally tracking this stuff at three in the morning. Maryland's player told me he had to take sleeping pills and it finally started working because he couldn't sleep for like three straight days. So that's happening. Um, and then Nikita told me, I'm talking to you right now. This is Sunday night. So I'm talking to you right now and I'm pretty sure they're getting bombed. Meaning the place in Kiev where his family is located, that general area, like he thought, like, you know, the attacks are happening as we're speaking right now. So it's, it's, it's very, very heavy stuff. Um, I wanted to give voice to every single Ukrainian player. So all of them are quoted in the piece, all of their family situations. Uh, they come from all across that country. And if you haven't taken the time to read it, please do. Uh, I felt this was a very important story. These are people that are helpless right now, and they've received a ton of support a ton of support, which you would expect and which is so wonderful, but it's still not easy. You know, we are gearing up for March, an incredible month for this sport, and it's all happening against the very real dire backdrop of a needless, tragic, scary as hell war with a country that wants no part of it and is fighting back and fighting like hell to make sure it can maintain its freedom and its democracy and its independence from Russia. And these are, you know, 19, 20, 21 year old players and, you know, I didn't go to them looking for insight as to how the war ends. They don't have that. I want. I went to them because I wanted to hear where they're from, uh, how their families are doing, how is everyone safe, and what it's like to be a Division One men's college basketball player as a situation unfolds that we haven't seen on this planet in, in, in quite a long time. Clearly, you know, the entire world practically almost is 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 opposed to what Russia is doing and is vocally, you know pushing back on that sanctions, the whole deal. If you've been following the news, you know what's been happening there. So just keep that in mind. If you catch a Maryland game, Utah State, Canisius, Tulsa, San Francisco, Grand Canyon, Fordham. I mean, Fordham, last one, I'll let you go, GP. I know I'm kind of rolling here, but Fordham uh, has got a guy, comes off the bench. He... He's like a bit player at best, right? I, I talked to Kyle Neptune on Sunday night. He's like, man, imagine you go on vacation. Like you live in the United States, you go on vacation to Europe. And while you're over there, like your home state's under attack. It's just getting bombed. Like, think about that. And, and I was like, yeah, he's like, you know, he's, he's not, he's not doing well right now. Like he, he is struggling. Um, and Neptune was, uh, was talking about um, his player. They call him Rosti, Rostislav Novitsky. He comes off the bench, has a career night against UMass on Monday. 10 points, 100% from the field, pair of rebounds, pair of steals. And when I talked to Kyle on Sunday, I said, what have you done as a program? He's like, we're going to get patches on the uniforms. We hope that we can get it done by like the end of the week. Well, something happened between, between then and Monday morning because they, they made it happen. They had a Ukrainian flag patch that they're going to wear for the remainder of the season. So if you watch the A-10 tournament, you'll see this on Fordham's uniform. Fordham got the win. He played well. Really cool, like, on-court success mini-story tied to all this. And, um, yeah, just keep these players and their families in your thoughts because there are, there are people, loved ones, friends, in legitimate hour-by-hour, day-by-day danger. They are leaving. One player has a family that has to go into their hallway in their 18-story apartment building so that if missiles hit their apartment building, they're not next to the windows and don't get killed. Another one has to scurry about seven minutes from where they live to get underground in the subway, which is kind of a makeshift bomb shelter 
and they can't even drive there because the roads are no longer even drivable. So there's a lot more detail in the story. Again, it'll be uh, in the podcast description, but that was uh, that was the big piece from Tuesday on the site. It's heartbreaking. Um, the, the, the main thing I noticed from the quotes in the story is how these young people, um, they always knew this was possible, I guess, but like genuinely didn't believe it would ever come to this, like tanks and missiles in Kiev. And, you know, I, obviously there's no way I could properly understand what it must be like, um, you know, to, to be in another country while your home is being attacked, while your family's at risk. But, you know, you know the overwhelming feeling must be helplessness. Um you know, I, I travel a lot and there have been times where I'm on the road and like there's bad weather back home, like a tornado warning, you know, and and and, you know, I'm fine. Everything's fine where I'm at. But like, you know, there's like tornadoes have touched down back at home. And so you're constantly in touch with your wife and, you know, you're FaceTiming like everything. OK, you know, the kid's OK. Like you feel so helpless. Um, and obviously every time so far, um, it, that's never resulted in anything, but like, I can just remember being nervous and feeling helpless. Now compare that to does actual missiles shooting into your hometown places you've seen your whole life are no longer there. People, you know, are no longer alive. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to be these young people over here trying to focus on, you know, school and basketball while your loved ones um, are back home literally under attack. And like you said, there's no way for them to predict how this is going to go or where it will end. Um, I won't try to do that either. But I, I, you know, as much as I can be, if sort of been consumed by this over the past week, reading a lot, listening a lot, watching a lot. And for whatever it's worth, and this was an awful thing to hear, um, I saw one expert say that um, among the worst things that could have happened once Russia decided to do what it's doing is, um, you know, Russia would have taken Kiev in two days, you know, very quickly you know, took control of the city. That would have been terrible, right? Heartbreaking. But the person went on to explain, you know, what's even worse than that. Russia taking Kiev in two weeks. Because obviously this hasn't gone the way Russia envisioned it going. The Ukrainian people, President Zelensky showed incredible fight, courage. I mean, professional athletes, multimillionaires, are fighting for their country right now. Mm-hmm. Vladimir, Vitaly Klitschko, uh, Lomachenko. Um, incredible courage. Like, I, it is not something I'm proud to say. But, like, if my country was under attack and I'm a civilian, would I f- kiss my wife and children goodbye and fight? I don't think I'm brave enough to do that. I'd probably be one of the people fleeing. And so just incredibly impressed by the Ukrainian people. But the fear is now that 
the Russian forces are just going to you know, take it to another level. As one expert explained, so far Russia's been doing this kind of with kid gloves, and I know that sounds ridiculous to say, but like they haven't just decided we're going to blast everything. But the fear from this one expert was that that's what's coming next. Like they tried to take it this way, and if they can't take it that way, they're going to go, now we're going here. And that is terrifying. Um, like you said, we've never seen anything like this um, in our lifetimes. Um, there's never been anything like this, uh, you know, in Europe since World War II. And in my heart just breaks for those people and their families because it is a, a nightmare situation that if we're being honest, based on everything I've read, might not have a great ending. Yeah, the Ukrainians have put up uh, incredible resistance and amazing spirit resolve. Um, no one knows when or how this exactly this will end, but uh, obviously we're all rooting for the conflict to cease as soon as possible. Uh, we'll be back on Friday. Um, I'll be in Durham. I'll fly to North Carolina on Thursday. Mike Krzyzewski has his final pregame press availability on Thursday afternoon. So uh, when I talk to you Friday from Durham, we'll have a little bit of perspective on what Coach K would have said in his press conference. We'll see what the number is. I was told right now about 75 former players are planning to be there. Could could get even higher than that. The average ticket price for all that is obviously insane. We'll get into those details on on Friday and obviously any Wednesday or Thursday results that are relevant between now and then. And then we'll preview the final weekend of the regular season in men's college basketball. But I'll also note clearly um, conference tournaments are already underway. And uh, and yeah, so we uh, we've got plenty, plenty, plenty to get to. Hope everyone enjoyed the the intro thank you again to nada for uh, for stepping up and helping me with that and helping make it uh, a little bit different than last year's obviously but but fun all the same we really ran the gamut on this podcast my man we start with that you, you know everything that you know some goofiness and then we get into the heavy stuff with ukraine but uh i like when the pod can kind of hit all hit all the notes and we seem to have done that today so that's all i got bud what if it is sydney sweeney unlikely I know, but, you know. I mean, listen, if you want to roll with that, you do what you got to do. You never know, man. You never know. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Ralph Malone. It's a six-foot six-foot legend. He averaged three and a half points per game, 1993-94 season. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again. Listen on College Basketball Podcast. Dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. If you haven't smashed the like button yet, smash it. If you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe. There's more of us than there are of them. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Until then, take care.